0: Thank you for taking the time to listen to this audio sermon from Apostolic Worship Center. Our prayer is that you'll be encouraged and blessed by the anointed word of God. If you'd like more information about Apostolic Worship Center and its ministries, visit our website at www.awcnorman.com. Good to me. and I come to you with a heart that's grateful and part of my message today will be something that God laid on my heart Uh, This last couple weeks and especially this last week about how grateful I am uh, for what God has done for me And uh, today if you have uh, your Bible, if you'd like to stand in in honor of the the word Then uh, we will go to Matthew chapter number 16 Thank you so much for being in the house of the Lord today, what a beautiful congregation that's here today Why don't you look around and smile at somebody give them a great big smile they go cheesy grin, and say, "You look really good today." Come on, it's all right to give people a compliment. You look really good today. Because to be honest, you know, you look next to you, Brother Fuller. You look next to, you, and somebody's there, and they're breathing, and they're standing on their feet, and they've got breath of life. They look pretty good. So they look good, they look good today. And what a beautiful congregation! I want you to know that I'm thankful to be a part of this church. I'm thankful to have you as my church family. You have been so good to me and my family. So thank you. For loving us. Amen. We love you dearly. Matthew chapter 16, verse 13, it says, When Jesus came in to the coast of Caesarea, Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, Some say that thou art John the Baptist, some Elias, and others Jeremiah, or, or one of the prophets. He said unto them, But whom say ye that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ which is interpreted as the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth, shall be bound in heaven and whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven and then he charged his disciples that they should not that they should tell no man that he was Jesus the Christ and then one more portion of scripture if you go to uh, John John chapter number two and beginning of verse 13. John chapter 2 verse 13 and the Jews Passover was at hand Jesus went up to Jerusalem and found in the temple those that sold oxen and sheep and doves and the changers of money sitting and when he had made a scourge of small cords he drove them all out of the temple and the sheep and the oxen and poured out the changers money and overthrew the tables and said unto them that sold doves take these things hence make not my father's house a house of merchandise and verse 17 and his disciples remembered that it was written, the zeal of thine house hath eaten me up. Today, uh, I did not really want to title today, but if I have to title it, I'll just give you one so you have that. But I wanted to just simply title this today, Don't Mess With Zion. Don't Mess With Zion. And taking again our thoughts from these two portions of scripture, can we raise our hands and can we close our eyes and can we just right now focus our attention on the word and let's ask God to help us today to understand his word today as it comes forth. Lord, we ask you today God that your spirit would move in a mighty way that God your anointing would flow in this sanctuary and God that you would give us strength in our bodies Lord today but also our minds would be clear and God that we would hear from your word and that we would partake of your word, your spirit would open up our minds and you would open up our understanding as you said your spirit will lead us and guide us into all truth and God today i'm asking if anybody in this room does not have the the spirit in them lord to uh, guide them and lead them that before they leave today they will be filled with the holy ghost and god you would touch their lives and god help us to learn from your spirit and learn from your word today we thank you for the opportunity to be in your house in jesus name we pray and can everyone say amen amen can you clap your hands unto the lord as you're seated today thank god So I realized that one day I was, I was driving, uh, if you drive through the state of Texas, that there's this in-your-face slogan right along the roadway as you drive, and through Texas, you happen across a sign that says, "Buys." <laughs> Just kidding. That is like the best sign in Texas, though. Buckys." If you've never been there, then it totally went over your head, but that's OK, because the next time you go to Texas, you need to look for Buckuys." Amen, can I hear an Amen? There's a few of you that know what I'm talking about. But no, there's a sign that says, don't mess with Texas. And so, it, it ends up being about littering, if you didn't know that. They don't want you uh, coming into their state and messing things up, coming in, throwing your trash out of your vehicle or throwing out garbage. They, they obviously have pride in the fact that their state is clean. They're... Somewhere down the road, it's been there as long as I can remember, years ago, driving through Texas to see that slogan. So sometime back, somebody had the passion about the, their state and the keeping it clean, that they, they made that uh, statement to try to make it a little bit, uh, kind of, a, a, um, I guess, almost like a threat, don't mess with Texas. And so they obviously had that pride in the fact their state is clean, and the word uh, pride there, can, in, in, in the natural sense, can be interpreted as zeal. And they have great zeal about uh, clean highways and roads, and they so they're really adamant about that. And uh, so they push that. In a few days, I, the last few days, I've been thinking about about the church, and I want I've said it numerous times, and never gets old because I really believe it in my heart is that I I love the church, I love the church, and I am very grateful to be a part of the church. Because I realize today as I stand before you uh, this Sunday morning that I don't know where I would be today if it were not for the church. If it wasn't for the church, I don't know where I would be. Now, I use the word church in a little bit broad sense today, so no one gets offended. I'm not saying this is the only church that you can uh, attend to go to heaven, but there is only a church. There is only the church. Not There's not a bunch of churches. There is God's church that he has put together, and so I am not just all, only a member of the local assembly at, at AWC, but I'm a part of the church, and I have brothers and sisters all across the nation all across the world that I could pick up the phone and I could say I need your prayers and I I need your help I need to talk to somebody and I need your support and I know without a doubt this Sunday morning that there are people all across the world that I could look to so I am grateful for the church because not only as in a sense I just mentioned but for my salvation I have a feeling and I'm pretty sure that I would be lost if it was not for the church so let's slow down for a minute today and think. Where would you be without the church? Maybe you could point your finger at yourself and say, where would I be? Because this is personal right now, as you've got to take ownership of this today and say, where would I be if it were not for the church? And so I begin to think about this, and uh, I had an interesting story they came along, it yesterday, uh, not yesterday, but on uh, Friday, my, my nephew uh, took me along for a ride along, and some of you seen that and were talking to me about it this morning, but, but I went along. He's my nephew, and I wanted to spend time with him, so I had to go ride around in a police car to spend time with him. That was an interesting day. But in that time of being with him, we visited and all that, and there was a lot of things that I observed, but there was something that happened that really caught my attention as we uh, found someone that was breaking the law, and he made his uh, attempt to... Uh, so you stop them and go through the motions of that. I sat in the passenger seat and I observed uh, uh, just watching very carefully to make sure nobody had a gun and uh, make sure nobody was going to beat him up, so I didn't know what to do. Uh, so I was very careful and watching and observing what was going on around me and he talks to the gentleman and, 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 and he ends up putting him in the back of the car. Well, anyways, at some point in the conversation, I don't know who the guy is, never seen him, Don't probably never see him again. But I did realize that one part of the day during this whole episode that, that he called, my nephew called him Sean. So I got a little scared a couple times when I heard Sean in the sentences that followed or that preceded that. And so I was like, that guy's name hopefully is Sean <laughs> because I don't think he's talking to me. But it, it really, as I sat there in the passenger seat and I, I observed what was happening, something began to get down in my spirit, and my, I began to ponder the thought that, what if that was me back there? What if, what if that was me I don't know what that is, but it was um, I scared something What if that was me sitting in that back seat of that patrol car? And that's a sobering thought. If you've never sat in a police car and observed somebody with the same name as you being put in the back seat with handcuffs and then taken to jail, you probably won't understand maybe as much as I do today how real it seems when you stop and think about what if that was me. And I begin to think about that. Is that what if that was me back there? What kind of mess would I be in right now? What kind of trouble would I be in right now if that was me? What kind of loneliness would I be experiencing right now because... That is a lonely life of 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 heartache and sin that that comes, and I I begin to ponder the thoughts of of what would that loneliness feel like to not. This gentleman didn't seem to have anybody. The the things that came out of his mouth, the, the references to uh, maybe uh, uh, wives or people in his life, they were so uh, just, It was down and depressed, and it was everything was falling apart around Sean's life, and everything was broken and crumbling down, and somehow I begin to think of my heart what if that was me back there what kind of loneliness would I have in my spirit right now and what kind of trouble would I be in what kind of fill in the blank if you would would I be dealing with right now in my life if that was me back there because somehow I got you to understand that because of myself I can do nothing but by myself I am lonely and I am weak and I am feeble and I am without hope I don't have anything within my own self that can get me through every day but the reality is that that Satan wants to separate me from the church and he starts telling us all he's going to do to us and and all I could hear was this man uh, saying words of I'm going to jail, I'm going to go to prison this time, oh they're just trying to find something on me and I could just feel in his heart uh, just a troubling that I never felt personally but I felt it and and God given me revelation I believe is that that man was lost and And one of the comments as he heard the Christian music was, I need to go back to church. I need to go back to the house of the Lord. And I begin to just inside weep and I begin to think, God, I don't ever want to be separated from the church. I don't ever want the church to become mundane and, and something I take for granted. But somehow the reality is that today I'm in the church and God is with me. And God helps me. And God has given revelation to us that the devil's like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He's walking all over the face of the earth and he's looking for prey. He's looking for an easy target. He's looking for somebody that he could take and he could take down. If you've ever watched little videos of the wildlife that there's something about a lion. A lion's not stupid. They're very smart and they have a a pretty uh, powerful teeth and pretty powerful claws and and they can roar and that roar I've heard, I've never felt it, but it shakes the very uh, ground around you when a lion roars at the top of their lungs when they really want to intimidate. And the Bible tells me that's what Satan is, is he's like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And I begin to realize the lions smart because they don't really try to go after the big group, but they try to observe the group from a distance till they find one that is out on the fringes all by themselves. Maybe it's a little baby animal. Maybe it's just one that's got a little bit crippled or, or something a little bit wrong, a little disadvantage at, at that point. And I begin to realize that this is what the devil does to the church as he's walking around the prayer of the church of God and he's watching for those to say well the church isn't really that big of a deal a church isn't really that important a church doesn't really need to be my priority and he sees it as they get a little bit further away and but I realize today uh, he tries to tell me and I don't need I don't need the church and I don't need the things of God and he's telling me what he's going to do to me he's intimidating me and he's trying to get me to wander away from the protection of the church. But today I didn't come with a negative message, but I came to tell you what the reality is. How many of you like reality? It hurts sometimes, but I'd sure like to know the truth. I'd really like to know what's happening and what's going to happen tomorrow. And so the reality of the matter is, is I'm going to tell you today, maybe newsflash, Satan has no power over the church. Come on today, Apostolic Worship Center. I want you to get it in your heart today, young people, to realize that Satan has no power over the church. He's tried for centuries to take the apostolic movement down, but I want you to know that if you're filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost and you're a part of this church God has built and you have power, somehow for too long, you and I have let the devil beat us down and bully us into believing that you are nobody and you don't have a leg to stand on. But let me tell you today, <laughs> every time you pray, the devil hates it when we pray. Oh, can I get a witness? The devil hates it when you pray. The devil doesn't like it whenever you begin to cry out to God. Whenever something gets down in your spirit and you begin to realize that I need help right now, it's not going to be a little whimper whisper over in the corner. That may be all you can get out of your lungs at the time. But in God's ears, if a child of God is really crying out to him, if you've got the lungs uh, and you've got the breath of life and you can raise up your voice and you begin to cry out to God, oh, God, I need your help. I want you to know it shakes the foundation of hell and it shakes the rafters in heaven and God takes notice of his people and he's listening. Listening for the voice of the people of God as they cry out and say, God, I need your help. And when you pray, it bothers the devil. When you pray in the spirit, the devils start, the devils will quake in their boots. I had a funny one, is the devil will quake in their horns. That may be better. I don't think if they got horns, so I can't say that. Theologically it may be incorrect. But when you start praying. It gets God's attention, and it shakes the very foundations of hell. Whenever the church starts praising, everybody say praising. There's a difference there. Praying is talking to God. Praising is giving God praise for what he has done and in faith what he's going to do. Praising is saying, God, i got a situation right now, but you are the mighty God. That you are the everlasting Father. You are the Prince of Peace. And God, I'm praising you. Because God, you have supplied my needs before. And I believe you can do it again. And something happens when the church begins to praise him. And begin to praise him in faith. The devil starts looking for the exit door. He doesn't like it when the church starts praising. When something gets in my heart. And I say, thank God. And the devil saying, what are you thanking God for? I'm thanking God because he's always been there for me. Before and I trust him, and he's not going to leave me now. Somebody needs to get in your heart right now and realize God's never left you, God's never neglected you. But if you'll praise him, it'll share, it'll scare the devil away. Where God will feel a lot closer somehow, church. It takes praise, it takes believing God can do anything. And when we begin to pray and we begin to praise, the church grows stronger. And more powerful. I don't know about you. But following our times of dedication. Of prayer and fasting. And and our prayers and our revival services. When we get after those. It feels like the church becomes invincible. It's like we all, all of a sudden realize. We have the power of God that's with us. And we understand that today. But there should be something that happens. There should be something that happens in our life. When we start praying and praising. A long time ago. Uh, my dad was doing a Bible study. I was a young man. <clears throat> and I wasn't actually there at the moment, but my mom and dad had taught a Bible study to this couple. They had been inside teaching the Bible study, and they were outside. They were my parents were leaving. They were going home, and uh, as they were standing there, my dad was talking to this man. His name was JoJo, <clears throat> and uh, JoJo and I think Valerie was her name had two little beautiful twin daughters that got killed in a car wreck I think after this and they had a son I believe and like I said I was pretty young I was like a teenager so I had a lot of other things I had a pretty brown-headed girl back there that was on my mind probably so I don't remember anything else and uh so I know she's hiding back there <clears throat> she's in the media booth by the way if you want to turn and look at her She's about, she's hiding down in the corner so um Jojo was standing on on the side of the car my dad talking and Valley was talking to my mom. They were on two separate sides of the car, but my dad was just talking to him. They were talking about just general everyday stuff. And uh, something began to happen. Roy, as they were just standing there talking, my dad says, Jojo started shaking. He just started kind of getting the shivers and kind of the things started happening. And he's, my dad was kind of noticing. He thought, well, maybe he's cold or maybe he doesn't maybe he doesn't feel good. I don't know why he's doing that. Or maybe he's he just kind of was talking to him, like literally just general stuff, nothing spiritual. And... All my dad remembers is that at one point he just kind of shakes and he steps back and he says, "Woo, i got to get away from you. He said, there's something about you. And my dad's like, I wasn't praying for him. I wasn't talking about the Bible. I wasn't talking about anything. I was just talking to him. And he said, I've got to get away from you because there's something about you. And I want you to know that when the world gets around the church, there ought to be something that gets a hold of them. There ought to be something that they feel when the church comes around, and they should be feeling something. Well, I feel that they should be under uh, there be under some kind of a feeling of God is in this place. That there's something I don't maybe never felt because I want you to know today there's power in the church. There's power in the church. I feel like in the 21st century we've kind of been uh, kind of dumbed down a little bit to where we don't really understand how powerful the church really is and can be. But today I hope that every everyone under the sound of my voice to realize that this is a powerful church that God created, that God put in motion in the book of Acts, and to understand that today. It's not- notable in the book of Acts, it states the fact that when the people started observing the apostles, that they took note of what was, they that they had been with Jesus. Acts 4.13. They took note, it says they marveled that they were unlearned and ignorant, and they, they were just not People that were well educated in the scriptures according to that day, the religious world. And they said they realized the boldness of Peter and John and they, they marveled and they took knowledge of them and they said they, these guys have been with Jesus. There was something that happened in those, uh, those uh, disciples' heart when, when they were just around Jesus and they got a close relationship with him that even after Jesus was gone and they walked through the streets of the city and as they talked to people in the market that there was somebody that realized that these guys have been with Jesus. Oh, I would that when I'm walking down the hallway at my job that my coworkers would know that I have been with Jesus. Oh, I hope that they know that I've been with Jesus. I would that when I'm sitting down in a restaurant to grab some lunch, uh, that the waiter or waitress will know that I have been with Jesus. How about you today, AWC? Are you desiring that somehow, God, when, I, when I'm when i hanging out with my friends and, and we're playing games on a game night, that somehow they can observe and they can realize that I've been with Jesus? What would it be like, young people, if your fellow students and your teachers observe that when you are sitting in the class on Monday, tomorrow, when you walk in there, you don't have to say anything, maybe, you don't even have to put any kind of effort into it, but just what happens today in the house of the Lord, and what happens in your prayer, and what happens in your praise every day, and when you walk into the classroom, it's just somebody there that's a little bit sensitive to the Spirit of God, and they're needing help tomorrow, and they're saying, wow, I perceive that they've been with Jesus. Come on, if we forget this, and if we lose this, it's going to be a dangerous day for the church. I've got to believe that I can make an impact on my world, because not because of who I am. My name means nothing. My social status means nothing. But it all matters that I know Jesus. And it all matters that I'm a part of the church of the living God. And I say, God, upon this rock, you have built your church. And God, the weapons of the enemy are futile. Because I'm not serving a God. I'm serving the God. I heard something the other day, and it should be a message, and I'm going to blow it, right? Now I'm going to have to find another message for another day. But somebody said, the is greater than a. So talking about, you know, if I want, if I say I want, I need a Roy, then Roy, there would be Roys all over the world that could come to me. But if I know who I'm talking about, I say, I need the Roy. I need the person. I need the Dallas. Right? I need the Dallas. Not a, not a. Sorry. I get those vowels and all that stuff together. But when I say I need a God or a God, that opens the door for a lot. There's a whole lot that could happen there. But when I say I need the God, narrows it down the playing field to just one. That there's only one God. There's only one that sits on the throne in heaven. There's only one that created this world. There's only one that created man out of the dust of the ground and made the trees and the plants and the, and the animals and the things around us, the heaven and the earth. There's only one God. And I don't have just uh, a God, but I have the God that spoke it into existence. And so today I stand before you not as anything I am, but as a child of the one true living God. And to understand that I am serving the God, not a God, but the true living God. And there's power in that revelation. James chapter 2. I've only been preaching 18 minutes, by the way, so bear with me. Maybe 20, because I stopped started a little late. But let's look at James. James chapter 2, verse 14. What doth it profit, my brethren, that a man say he hath faith and have not works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food? And then he jumps down to verse number 17. Even so faith, if it hath not works, is dead being alone. Verse 19. Thou believest that there is one God. Thou believest that there is the God. Thou doest okay. You're okay. Do You believe that there's the God. Thou doest okay. No, he says thou doest well to believe that there's one God. Thou doest well. He said the devils also believe. And what? Tremble. But, verse 20, But wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? Verse 26, For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead. Verse 19, The devils believe that there's one God, and they tremble. And so I just have the... Naivety maybe you want to call it or just real simpleness of mind to say that that if the church believes in one God and the church proclaims that I serve the one true living God, that there's power in that revelation to say that I serve the God the one and only God, the most powerful person or being in the entire universe. And I can't explain everything about him because I've got a a, a small mind that doesn't understand the magnitude of it all, but I do realize with faith, believing that he is the God that created all things and he is the God that has the power over all things. And so whenever I proclaim that, I realize I'm not just serving a God, but I'm serving the one true living God. When I walk into my job, when I walk into the grocery store, when I walk into the restaurant there's going to be something about the revelation of that that can't help but get on somebody near me and something's going to kind of go before me if it happened for the disciples then I'm just naive enough to believe that it can happen for Sean Phillips in 2023 because I want people to feel that I've been with Jesus I want them to know that I have been with Jesus and so the apostles, they encountered spiritual wickedness. I'm not talking about the messing with the church in the physical sense. That's totally different. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers of the darkness of this world. And the apostles encountered spiritual wickedness, but they had faith. They had faith in who they served, and they knew that Jesus had healed the sick. They knew that Jesus had laid hands on them, and they had recovered. They knew Jesus had cast out devils, and so they had faith. Well, I believe Jesus did that. I know Jesus can do that. I have no doubt in my mind. But if you keep reading the book of Acts, we find that something had to happen within them that where faith and works had to get together. And they had to understand and have confidence to say, I believe that Jesus did it. And I believe he said, greater things than these shall you do. And so when I walk around the world that I live in, I have confidence right now that Jesus can do the same thing through me that he did while he walked on this earth. And somehow, today and we have faith and works together that there's things that are be done in the name of Jesus because the spirits are subject unto the church so faith and works together Jesus said Mark 16 17 these signs shall follow them that believe in my name they shall cast out devils they shall speak with new tongues in the name of Jesus they cast out devils. In the name of Jesus, we see healing. Because he says, maybe the next verse in somewhere along there, he says, and they laid hands on the sick, (laughs) and they shall recover. They shall recover. In the name of Jesus, we see healing. In the name of Jesus, we can see the dead raised up. My son's only nine years old. The other day we are driving and we were talking and something came up about, about God being able to do things. And he said, yeah, he goes... I think it was an old story back of Jesus raised somebody from the dead in the Bible story we were listening to. And he just looked at me and said, you know, it's so great great that that Jesus still can raise people from the dead today. As you know what he heard? He heard the minister standing up here a couple weeks ago on a Wednesday night talking about a little bitty baby that had died just shortly after birth or maybe was born dead. And that God, that a man of God came and prayed and stood there and prayed. The father, I believe, of the child prayed and said, God, you promised. God, you gave us this promise we would have this child. And that the baby then started breathing just hours later after it had been pronounced dead. And and my son is just a young man and a child, but he said, you know what? It's so amazing that what God did back in that Bible story, I know he could do it today. There's no greater revelation to have in my heart today than to know that if God raised the dead in the book of Matthew or Mark or Luke or John, that in 2023, that if I need him to raise the dead, he can still do it. I'm not afraid of it. I'm not ashamed of it. I have faith. I know that he can lay, we can lay our hands on the sick, and they shall recover. In the name of Jesus, it can happen. And so it's time for the church to get some zeal about some things. In John 2, 13, 17, they, the disciples remembered something. They were following Jesus, and he Drives the money changers and all the things out of the house. And he says, you turn my house into a house of merchandise. And he drives them out. And I like verse 17. And his disciples remembered that it was written, the zeal of thine house hath eaten me up. It was a prophetic word. And this zeal is... A, a very intense reference to any object. Uh, the zeal of thine house means extraordinary concern for the temple of God. Uh, it was something that uh, it was something that was passionate in their heart. It's somehow to get in a, a kind of a holy indignation, if you will. It gets a hold of me that says, "I'm I'm going to be I'm going to be passionate about the house of God, the, the the things of God. I'm going to be passionate." He says, "Hath eaten me up." It, it was uh, interpreted as he hath absorbed me or engaged my entire attention and affection has surpassed all other feelings so that it may be said to be one of the greatest absorbing affection and desires of the mind and so I realize today that I'm sick and I'm tired of the devil messing with our saints of God I'm tired of him coming into the church and messing around with people that are trying to live for God that somehow I want there to be some holy indignation that gets a hold of me I want some zeal that gets a hold of me and hath eaten me up around the people that are trying to live for God and I'm not going to let Satan come in here and start trashing the place. I want something to get inside of me that says, you know what? I'm not going to be put down. He's going to have to answer to us because we're going to have more prayer meetings than ever before. We're going to have more fasting than ever before. We're going to be more holy and separate from the world than ever before and we're going to have to run him and his little imps out of town but it's got to be in our heart today. Somehow, I've got to realize it's a battle. The devil's not going to go easy. He's not going to let go of what he has. The things that he has taken and he has stolen from the church. There's people that I pray and I beg God. God, pursue them. God, go get them. Oh God, please release them from the grip of the enemy. Saints of God that have said in these pews in this church and, and in churches I've been in my past that people that have stood stood in an altar or knelt the knee at an altar in the past and today are, are out in sin and messed up in so many ways in their life and it burdens my heart to realize that Satan had come and he had plucked them out he had, he had drawn them out by his enticing words and and somehow understanding today that that could be me. I understand today it could be any one of us, but somehow I've got to get passionate and get zeal for the kingdom of God and for the church of God and say, God, I want to be a part of what you are building and what you have put in place. And I realize that there's a battle, but today, if anyone's here in this place and you need to gain the victory over the enemy, you are in the right place because this is the church the power of God dwells in. We believe in that power. As the Holy Ghost power of Acts 1 and 8 can be yours today. Acts chapter 1 verse 8. You shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Somehow someone today needs to get fed up with, the, with dealing with depression and anxiety and fear and bitterness and ungodly addictions. Somehow You're going to have to get tired of the devil's antics or his tactics. There's something powerful about Jesus. as He stands there with his disciples in our opening text today. And he says, the revelation of who I am was not given to you by man, but it came straight from the heavens, came straight from the throne of God. And he said, I want you to know, Simon, that upon this rock I'll build my church. The foundation of people that know who I am. People that realize the power that resides within me and in my name. And Jesus said, I am building my church. Everybody say his church. It's not my church. Jesus said it's my church. And the gates of hell cannot stand against it. Today, God is building a church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And so Jesus was given a fair warning to Satan and his little bullies. Don't mess with my church. Don't mess with my church. I could imagine Satan listening in that conversation and saying, the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I would imagine there was a little bit of uneasiness that rippled through hell. As Jesus said, you better not mess with my church. Because the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church that you're a part of today. So we stand together this, this morning. Realizing that day in the temple, Jesus went in there and said, in another reference that we didn't use today, another uh, portion of scripture, says, you've made it a den of thieves. You've corrupted the church. You've, you've made the church uh, a place that's convenient. You made the church non-committal. If you do some research about what was going on, the money changers and what was happening, they had they had dumbed down, if you would. They had decreased the value. They had decreased the value and impact of the church. They had decreased the value and they were selling things and making church convenient, and there was no commitment. There was no commitment from the people. So Jesus came through in our text today and he drives the money changers out so the church could operate the way he intended it to operate and so today as we close some of us need to realize what you are a part of today i realize that sitting in that car on Friday is that i'm thanking god that he got a hold of me i thank god for the church i thank god for the holy ghost i thank god for baptism in jesus name and a lifestyle separate from the world i'm thankful because I sat there that day realizing that that gentleman made mention that it seemed like the devil kind of stole something from him. Because he kept saying, yeah, I used to go to church with my grandma. I used to go, Brother Fuller, I used to go. And how horrible it was in our hearts to think about being, able to sit, be, being the one sitting there and saying, I used to. I used to know what it felt like. Because the devil stole Stole some things from Sean. I pray that Sean gets deliverance. I pray God works things out where he can come to the house of the Lord. And I would love it if one day he walked in here. I would be so thrilled if I could recognize his face. I didn't see him real long. But if somehow God would touch him. Because there's nothing greater than when you realize that the devil stole something from you. And you realize that Jesus is waiting at an altar. He's waiting in a sanctuary like this. And he says, I've got the power to take back what the devil stole from you. I've got the power to take your joy back. I've got the power to take your victory back. I've got the power to take your praise back. And somehow, someone today, you need to get your joy back. Somebody today in the house says, I need to get my victory back. Somebody needs to say, I need to get my praise back. And maybe you say, I need to get my dance back. Maybe the devil's been slowly trying to pull you to the edge and and he's trying to to tell you things that are not true. But today, you can say, you know what? Devil, don't mess with the church. Don't mess with Zion. Don't mess with God's people today. And maybe you're not going to come to the altar today for yourself. But would you make somehow a, a decision in your mind right now? To say, God, I'm gonna to go to the altar and I'm gonna intercede for somebody right now that needs you to show up where they are. And God, I believe the prayers of the church, I believe the prayers of the church work that God can reach down where they are and draw them. I invite you today to come. I invite you to come to the altar or come to a place in your in your pew, wherever you are, where you can say, you can focus your attention right now on him and say, God. I want to be a part, Lord, of what You're doing in the church. The devil's trying to steal things from me, and I want to come take them back. I need my joy back. I need my victory back. And God, I want to walk into my workplace tomorrow with a little bit of a spring in my step. Oh, I'm not gonna be—I'm uh, not gonna be cocky. I'm not gonna be all uh, self-centered. But I want to believe with faith that God, You're walking with me. God, You're walking walk with me wherever I go walk with me Jesus God you're going to help me you're going to help me today God realize today who you are church realize today what you're a part of he's going to build his church Jesus said I'll build my church build my church in the gates of hell come on there's a lot of distractions in the world today there's a lot of distractions in your mind right now but there's nothing more important on this Sunday morning than focusing your attention right now on the king and saying God I need to be in your house I need to submit myself into you God because God without the church where would I be without the church where would I be (laughs) where would I Come on, today Come on, we don't want to be in a hurry today. <laughs> Somehow to get it in my heart today, God, where would I be? Where would I be without you, Jesus? Where would I be without you? Been listening to an audio sermon from Apostolic Worship Center located at 3221 North Porter Avenue in Norman, Oklahoma. Our service times are Sunday at 10 o'clock a.m. and 6 o'clock p.m., and we also have various ministries happening on Wednesday night. For more information, visit our website www.apostolicworship.com. You can call us at 405 329 1285. Or you can email us at info at apostolicworship.com. We hope that this recording has been a blessing to you.